Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Ground, Eisner Amper's podcast focused on real estate market. I'm Avi Jacob, tax manager in Eisner Amper's Real Estate Service Group, and I'm joined today again by Terry Johnson, who partners with Eisner Amper on our cost segregation and energy programs. As we continue our series on cost segregation, today we're going to be chatting about tangible property regulations, or better known as PPRs. We'll explore whether these regulations still hold relevance in today's ever-changing tax landscape. Post-TCJA and post-CARES Act, we'll also explore the purpose of TPRs in renovations, discuss expensing options, and break down the bar test for betterment, adaptation, or restoration, and explain unit of property and materiality tests. So, Terry, the, you know, the TPRs were originally passed back in 2014. And, you know, our questions always get that we get from clients is it's still relevant today in the post TCJA and post CARES Act era, especially considering the idea of bonus depreciation being a way that, you know, our clients are in some capacity expensing. So do you want to expand on how the TPR still are relevant? Well, Avi, you know how much I love this topic. So, of course, I'm going to jump in on this and and talk a little bit about the, the tangible property regs. And I think it's good just as a background that the tangible property regs, when they came out, the purpose really was for the IRS to give us some consistent approach in determining when you make an improvement on an asset, do I expense that? Or do I capitalize that? And they really walked through a process to follow in making that decision. So instead of it being sort of the wild, wild west, they were giving us this kind of flow chart, if you will, of how to make these decisions. And I will tell you, when these came out in 2014, I don't know if you remember, Avi, but this was, it kind of put everybody in a very confused state. They were hard to understand. It was really hard to connect the dots. And I remember at the time we did a ton of presenting and working with clients and really looking at the process in making these decisions to make sure when you do spend money on your property that you're making the correct decision of whether you expense or capitalize. So we have a flow chart that is going to be uploaded, the Eisner Amper website where the podcast is, and you'll see a flow chart that we developed together that really walks through the process. And, it, you know, it's a good thing to have handy when you're making these decisions. So to answer your question, Avi, it was a long-winded answer, I know. Um, I do believe that they're still very relevant and important to, in making these decisions. And they have utility today for sure. Yeah. And just to expand on that, you know, when we are expensing, even though with bonus depreciation, it's an expense, it's not an ex- it's still a capitalized asset. So it would still be subject to recapture. So by being able to expense through the TPRs rather than capitalizing, you're avoiding that recapture at the end, which is definitely, you know, at the time of a sale, which is definitely something that a lot of our clients are looking to avoid. So I think that's, you know, a big point to also add in there. I think that's actually obviously a huge point because most people don't think of it that way. They're not thinking ahead of when I sell this asset and limiting recapture. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Exactly. And, you know, that that's what we're here for, really trying to maximize the benefits that our clients receive through the various different tools that cost segregation includes. So going through the TPRs, you know, you mentioned that it's a betterment, 
an adaptation or a restoration, you have to do the bar test. Um, just going through that with, in terms of how do we break down the TPRs in a renovation scenario, how do we do, can you describe the general purpose of the TPRs and how they apply to renovations? Sure. So whenever you're improving your, your, your property and you're, say you're doing a renovation, you know, the first thing that you want to do is decide, is there anything that I'm doing that I could actually expense? And I don't even have to worry about capitalizing. So the way that TPRs work is the first thing that you're going to do is take a look at the expensing, whether you're going to, you know, routine maintenance, de minimis safe harbor for the most part. And then if you can't expense those, then you roll into a whole nother process. So you're determining whether or not it's a betterment adaptation or restoration. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. And if it's not a betterment adaptation or restoration, then you want to just make sure it's not material to its unit of property. Again, we'll talk about these things in more detail. So in a renovation scenario, it's really important to understand the scope of that project. And, you know, can I expense that off the top? Or do I need to evaluate this and see, am I, am I improving the property so it's, it's like brand new? And, or am I just taking, you know, something that needs to be fixed and bringing it back to where it was before? So there's a whole process, Avi, that you go through. And again, I think that flowchart's very helpful to take a look at. But when you're looking at renovations today, if you, and especially in light of bonus depreciation, if you can off the top expense and not even get to worrying about if you're going to capitalize the asset, that's great. So, you know, I look at the hierarchy of expensing. I'm always going to go to this flow chart for the TPRs first to see, could I expense what I'm doing under the TPRs and not even worry about bonus depreciation? That's always my first stop. And then once you finish that step, and let's say you determine that you can't, you know, you can't expense it. What's the next steps that you, that you do? Like I've, I've heard you mention the bar test. How, how does that work in terms of what you're, what you're evaluating from a TPR standpoint? Well, there's really three things when, they, when BAR stands for Betterment, Adaptation, or Restoration. So you're looking at that expenditure to see, kind of run through this BAR test. And so let's just walk through each one. Is it a betterment? So a betterment would be something that improves the quality. And, and I think one of the best examples is lighting. So if you are... If you have lighting in a building and you're just using T5s, that would be a normal improvement. But if I'm going to upgrade to, say, um, LED lights, then that would be a betterment. So the question is, am I improving it in a way that, of course, you know, over time in the industry, we see improvements all the time. But is the grade, whether it's a contractor grade or the same type of grade, even though they're improvements, is it the same grade? Or am I materially improving this to be better? For example, the lighting would be, or let's say it's an HVAC system. I'm getting a super, um, my, I'm putting in a new HVAC system that is very, very energy efficient and it raises the bar with my energy efficiency because what I'm looking for is to lower my operating costs. That would be a betterment. So you really have to look at if it's the same grade or if you're 
improving it would be a betterment. And then there's adaptation of a space. So that's where you take a space that you've been using and say you have a manufacturing facility and you've decided to take a part of the space and you're going to make an adaptation and have a retail store in there. That would be an adaptation of a use, okay? And then the next thing would be a restoration. So let's say that I've got a, a roof that has collapsed and I have to restore that to its an original um, quality. Maybe there was a big storm and a tree fell on the roof and I have to restore that. That would be considered a restoration project. I'm bringing that back to like, like new condition. So that would be the bar test. So what we're doing is we're going through and looking at that expenditure and saying, does it meet any of those definitions? Is it a betterment? Is it an adaptation? Or if it's a restoration? And if the answer to that question is yes, then I automatically have to capitalize that asset. I, there's no expensing option there, Avi. Mm-hmm. And is there any like materiality test that can be, you know, put into play here? Because, you know, obviously, if we're replacing a small portion of a roof, it's very different than replacing the entire roof. So how does materiality play into these items? That's a great question. Because if you, let's say we run through the bar test and it doesn't meet any of those. It's not a betterment, adaptation, or restoration. But there's another step left. And that is that we have to look at, is it material to our unit of property. So let's first talk about that. Like what is a unit of property? So, and this is different than depreciation. And you basically break down all the assets if you're doing a cost segregation study into its unit of property. So that would be the building structure, the major building systems such as HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and any other assets that you've defined say as personal property or land improvements. They all carry their own unit of property. So you have to take a look when you're doing a materiality test, let's say the roof example, that's part of the building structure, but the roof is, it it has a discrete function, right? So you would look specifically at that roof. And let's say that you're replacing 10% of the roof, Avi, in a, a small section, then you could make the case that it's not material to its unit of property, that whole, you know, 100% of the roof. But the big thing when you look at a roof is really the layer. So if you're just removing the outer layer and then and, and improving that and laying down a new outer layer, you can expense that all day long. But if you're doing what we call a tear-off and you're removing the entire roof, then you would have to, it's it, looking at the layers and removing that entire system, you would have to capitalize that because it is material to its unit of property at the discrete function level. But let's say, for example, electrical. Let's say I'm going in and I'm replacing light fixtures, but I'm not replacing the entire lighting system. So you take a look at what you're spending, and I would say a good average is like 30% of its unit of property. So in our reports that we're doing at Iser Amper, we include this unit of property data in every report. And you can actually go and look at the materiality and sort of use a 30% as a gauge. And if you are less than that, you can expense. If you're more than that, then you would have to capitalize. Absolutely. And you know, we run into that all the time with our clients. And, you know, they, they're always looking at how to better expense different items and using that unit of property is something that, you know, is very important. And it's a great gauge of whether or not something is considered material to 
that specific component. Um, now, let's say we have a property and the improvement is determined to be, you know, considered either a betterment and adaptation or restoration. It, and I must capitalize. There's something I can do with that retired asset. Like, what do I do with the fact that I've now replaced something? So, for example, let's say I replaced the HVAC system to something that's more energy efficient and therefore is considered a betterment. So now I have to capitalize it. What about the old you know, we, we break out the unit of property in our reports when we do a cost seg. What can the client now do with that overall unit of property that they're removing from, you know, the overall property itself? Well, as I'd like to say with these tangible property regs, don't ever give up. Walk through the flow because there's there seems to be at every turn another possibility. So you bring up a great point, Avi, and that is that if I've gone through, I can't expense it. I've done the bar test. I have to capitalize. You know, it's in its material to its unit or property. I'm all paths lead. I have to capitalize this asset. You've got one more trick in your bag, and that is that you can write off the remaining balance of what you're removing, but you have to be able to identify it. So if you've done a cost segregation study on that property in the beginning, you will know what the value of that asset was at the time you did the cost seg study. And then, you know, we're going to know how much depreciation has been taken on that asset. So if you look at the net of that, the remaining depreciable basis, you can write that off in the current year. And I think one of the biggest important points on this, and by the way, we call these a partial asset disposition election. So it is an election that you have to make. And they've been really clear and then when the regs came out on this is that you cannot go back and fix this with a 3115 change in accounting method if you forget it. If you forget this and you do not remove those assets at the time in the year that they're removed, and, and let's just say you forget about it, you, you can't go back and fix that. So one of the most important things, if you get anything out of this podcast, is if you're renovating a property and you're removing assets, you want to make sure you write those assets off in the year that they're removed, not when you place the new into service. So it's really important to be communicating to your folks, you know, within Eyes or Amper to make sure they're aware of this project so that we cover you as far as timing is concerned. And we can put together a, let's say it's a fairly large renovation project. We can put a disposition table together as part of that project that then is used to do that write off and do the partial asset disposition election. So if you've done the upfront cost seg study and you've got the values, you've identified the assets, you just go back into the report, identify what's being removed. And it's it's a very straightforward process, Avi. Yeah. But again, like you mentioned, it's very important that you capture that in the year that it's removed, not necessarily in the year that you replace in terms of the new asset coming on board. And, you know, this goes into that timing and the planning that we've, you know, kind of been touching on throughout all the different podcasts that we've done so far and all the different episodes because everything is about communication, planning, and timing. And I think that that pad election is one of those items that really, you know, if you, if you missed the cost seg study in the year, in the initial year of acquisition, okay, you could go back, you can do it. We could do a look back study. You could do a 3115. You could capture that depreciation at a later date. And in many cases, it actually is more beneficial to do it that way. But when it comes to these pad elections and with the TPRs, and I think this is where a lot of CPAs get hung up on it, 
is with that timing of when those pad elections need to be made. You know, Avi, I wanted to just add, I I agree with you, and I wanted to add one more thing on this, and that is called practice. You know, if you're listening to this podcast and you have never gone through this process or you've never looked at the flow chart and it's new to you, all I can tell you is it takes practice and discipline. So once you, you, let's say you have your cost segregation study and you do a renovation and you call us and you say, hey, I need some help here. I can't you mentioned that we could maybe expense under the tangible property regs. How do I do that? So you got to kind of practice and, you know, we can work with you on that on the upfront and go through this over and over again. And I would say by the third time you've got it, but it does take some practice. Absolutely. And you know, that's, that's why we get these questions daily. And that's why this is such an important topic Um, because a lot of CPAs still struggle with it. Like you said, in the beginning, it was just a big bundle of confusion. And I think, we're, I think there still is some confusion within different you know, tax practitioners. But I think we really, especially with the flow chart that we're providing, I think we really map it out well that we can get a better understanding and be ahead of, be ahead of the, the industry in understanding and making the right choices when it comes to renovations and you know, just general upgrades and things that are going on in the property when it comes to later after acquisition changes. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please stay tuned for the next installment of Breaking Ground and have a great day.